So family, if you need a Bible, please raise your hand and uh, our pastor will give you one or Johnny will give you one. Um, We're excited to talk about Christ, our risen Savior today. We just had our children uh, singing songs unto Jesus and then we had our youth dancing, talking about freedom. And then we sang a song about condemnation. And I, I wanted us to have that song in our hearts right before we had a time of being encouraged in the word so that we can understand why we rejoice in the freedom we have. We rejoice in the freedom we have because a God who is amazing and created all things loved us enough to make sure that we would not feel the weight of condemnation. So would you join me in turning to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to go through verses 1 to 3. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this time. Would you allow your word to just speak to our hearts? Would you uh, move me so that your uh, spirit can just go forth caring for your body? Would you care for your body during this time and eliminate the distractions that would hinder us uh, from being able to to receive um, what you would have for us during this time? Let us rejoice in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Condemnation. That's not a term that you use often, not one that I use often. Uh, Condemnation is is both the pronouncement of a sentence and its execution. The pronouncement of a sentence and it's, it's as if you were in a courtroom and they gave you your verdict, guilty. But separate from pronouncing that you are guilty is your sentencing. Now, your sentence is also death. You see, there's a weight that comes along with condemnation that, that, that is beyond what any of us could bear. You see, God tells us that we inherited a problem. We inherited a a disease, if you will. We inherited this issue called sin. And it broke and it breaks the father's heart. And inheriting sin, we inherited the penalty of sin, which is death. And so that's a, a weight that was too heavy for any of us to bear. But we open up this passage by saying, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That weight that was too heavy to bear, that sin that we all were able to say we were engrafted into, I, I always reference it and I probably use it every six months and you guys may get tired of it, but It was just a brilliant thing that our pastor shared, and this stuck with me for the past seven to eight years. He said, hey, if you are curious to know if sin runs rampant in the hearts of people, go look at little children. Go look at a little child. Go look at a two-year-old, a one-year-old that wants something. You never have to teach them how to lie. 
You never have to teach them how to steal. You never have to teach them how to hurt. You, the, sin is present within this little kid. And I, I don't think any parent has ever tried to intentionally say, here, let me show you the ways that are ropes of how to lie. <laughs> we, we don't do that. We actually try to do the opposite, to try to train that out of them. Why? Because there is something that's already inherent within our DNA, and it's this issue of sin. But, but, but Jesus does something different. He, he shatters that dynamic. And through Adam, we inherited this, this problem of sin. But now there is no condemnation. That, that, that execution, that, that sentencing of death is no longer. That shame of guilt is no longer associated with the people of Christ. But why is it true that condemnation no longer has a sting? You see, because you need, we need to understand that because that is, these are the reasons why we can dance and do the, the things that the kids was doing up there. You know, I can't even do them no more. You know, like, like it, these are the reasons why we have this joy. So why is it that condemnation has no sting? Look at verse 2 with me. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You see, the law of sin and death were real in that that we were in a cycle of rejecting God. There was a time when we chose not to represent God in the character, live out his will, act accordingly to his purposes, and we were caught in a vicious cycle. A law of sin, as we indulged more in sin, it gave us more death. And as we ate more death, we delighted in more sin. But here, we're set free by a law of the Spirit. And have you ever seen where where one law just becomes far more powerful than the other? Have any of you guys ever taken a trip and flown in a plane? Give me, give me some head nods, only pastor in here. Listen, I got you. All right, it's all right. If you've flown in a plane, you've seen where one law has more power and trumps another. There's been times where, where you can jump up and down, you can do the jump, you can do jump rope, you can do jumping jacks, and no matter what, if you jump, you come back down. That's the law of gravity. Law of gravity is clear. Law of gravity is constantly, though it's subtle, pulling you and keeping you on the ground. But somehow you can get in a plane that's a hundred times your size, take off and fly to another place. See, that's the law of physics, where if enough pressure pushes down over a wing, it will rise the whole plane up. See, somehow, scientists somewhere said, we have a law that can trump the law of gravity. It's the law of physics. You see, here we see this, the law of the spirit of life trumping that of the law of death. See, the law of death it pales in comparison to what the spirit offers, offers us. And now we are set free. And yet, analogy doesn't work 100% because sooner or later the plan got a lane, but y'all was, y'all, y'all was riding with me, right? Y'all was with me. Y'all was with me. Come on. <laughs> but do you see how, how the Spirit 
frees us in a way where now we are no longer experiencing the guilt, the penalty that death continued to try to dispense unto us. Now we are experiencing life and life to the full. But, but, but Paul wants us to understand the role of the law. Because sometimes we can say the law in itself is evil. See, that's not the case. The law is serving its purpose, and that's to bring our attention to sin. It's to help us understand that sin exists. Journey with me for a second. Imagine you have a home with three different levels. You have a basement, first floor, and a second floor. Now, in your basement, a fire starts. You are on the second floor on a Sunday like today, enjoying a nice fat sub, chilling, watching the lions. (laughs) Enjoying your life, kicking it. And now this fire starts in the basement. Before you know it, this fire begins to take over three quarters of your basement. But in your room on the second floor, you have a smoke detector. And what is the goal? What is the role? What is the purpose of a smoke detector? To alert you. To bring to your attention when a fire is present. Now, on the second floor, you've yet to fully experience any of the pain of the fire. It is yet to damage your body. But the goal of the smoke detector is to alert you that there is a problem. See, that's what the law's purpose is. The purpose of the law is to magnify that you got an issue you need to deal with urgently, immediately, right away. And the law is like that annoying thing when you're trying to cook in the house and that annoying smoke detector that just keeps going off at that high-pitched sound. It just keeps grabbing your attention to say, deal with this, deal with this, deal with this. But we couldn't. The law is doing what it's supposed to. It's bringing it to our attention. But I don't know if you have ever been in a situation where you have experienced fire. And I'm not just talking about like a a, a little or, a, or a, a, a lighter. I'm talking about a fire. I was a, a, a resident director in a dorm, and they made us go through fire training to help us basically be scared out of our minds to try to care for all the kids in the dorm. I tell you, when I saw the size of this flame and I felt the heat at a distance, I knew I needed help. You can try to go up to a flame if you want to. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. In and of ourselves, we cannot extinguish the flame. But the law is doing what it's supposed to. It's bringing to our attention that there's a problem. And in steps Jesus. He says, Yes, it's bringing it to your attention, but you in and of yourself are in this trap where you are in the midst of death. You can't do it yourself, and now it is me who will come as your Savior. That's why in verse 3, it says, For God has done what the law, weakened by flesh, could not do. 
by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for, uh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. It's like Jesus comes and he kills death. It's like Jesus comes and he murders death. It's like Jesus comes and he triumphs over death. It's like Jesus comes and he sees that the cycle that you and I were in, where we could not help ourselves, he comes and saves us. But Christmas is crazy. The season of Advent is crazy because we are so far removed from the experience of the biblical characters that we sometimes can't wrap our minds around their experience. Come on, man. They've been talking about the Messiah coming for generations. Y'all didn't know this was Jesus? Come on, man. The stars showed up. Y'all didn't, like, we, we can sometimes not identify with the struggle that our biblical characters had. Let me ask you a question. If you were in your home, fires blazing, sirens sounding, and what showed up was a baby. <laughs> How would you respond? We can relate, can't we? we? We understand what it's like to put our expectations on Christ, to put what we deem the way you should uh, provide us peace, what we deem the way you should provide us joy, what we deem the way you should provide us hope, what we deem is the best way to love us. And he says, no, I see your inability. And the way that I'm going to do it, God responds by saying, I'm going to send my son to take on flesh so that you might be reconciled to me and you can experience true love and that you experience my son. Family, this Christmas, we get a chance to, to connect in a way that continues to remind us of a longing for that true hope, peace, joy, love that is only fulfilled in Christ. But let it shatter our expectations. Let us, let us not become just at peace with the way God has moved. Let's continue to have great expectations for what he is to do in our lives. There's still some areas. He, he has conquered death, killed death. We are now one with Jesus. But family, don't limit him by your expectations. Let him blow your expectations out the water. The reason why I... I uh, wanted to, to focus on these verses is truly because they're connected to the um, probably the most well-known scripture verse in the Bible. And it, it helps us unpack or understand a little bit clearer uh, the image of love referenced in John 3.16. So I would love for you to actually read those words with me. And then we'll pray. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish 
but have eternal life. Will you pray with me? Father, there is no condemnation. The penalty of death has been lifted because of what you've done for us. You saw the pain. You saw our inability to deal with sin. And Lord, you stepped in. And so the greatest act of love by sending your son Jesus and being born and ultimately dying on the cross. So today, Lord, we are thankful. We're thankful that we get to experience love, not just by the things we feel and the renewing of our mind and so many other uh, fruits of your love, but we get to experience love because we have you. It's in your holy name we pray, Jesus.